time, and it's just so beautiful. One of the most wonderful times of the year, second only to Christmas. Can I get an amen? Amen. I mean, you don't have to agree on that, but it's okay. So, hey, we're going to go ahead and open up by speaking some words of faith over the United States of America. So let's stand up together tonight. And we're going to speak these words together and keep believing and declaring that our nation is coming to Jesus. Amen. Let's go ahead and say this together. Father, we come to you in Jesus name and in unity. We confess that Jesus Christ is Lord over the United States of America. We declare that righteousness, mercy, justice, and judgment from you shall prevail. We declare that America will complete her God-given mission to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world. We push back the darkness of Satan from this nation and call for the light of Jesus Christ to invade the media and every home, church, and school, and every town, city, and state of this great nation, the United States of America. In Jesus' name, amen. Man, give the Lord some praise tonight. You may be seated. All right, we will get into some announcements and some business here, and uh, then we'll continue on with the service. Wanted to give you a quick update on HDWC Midtown Chapel. Amen. Who knows what I'm talking about right there? Yeah. <laughs> and so that is going to be our new location uh, at Yucca and Kelly right there in town. And um, we're just really excited about this. It's the former site of Barstow Christian School. So we were, uh, we told you Sunday, we have a target had a target of starting this Sunday at 9 a.m., but uh, we don't quite have the final permission and green light to start this Sunday, so uh, we will not be starting this Sunday. We may still be uh, a few weeks out, maybe a month. We're not totally sure. Um, just the denominational leaders down the hill are waiting on uh, a final few hurdles to clear uh, paperwork-wise and things like that, so we're still on. We're just a little bit delayed, so uh, you may see some of our new family joining us over the next few weeks over here, uh, but the goal is to get the service started over there as soon as possible, and then, of course, lots of other uh, exciting things to take place over there, all right? So, um, I will say this. This is a couple announcements down, Blake, but uh, we are still able to have the Start It In Me worship night over there, so everybody join us on Saturday night, October 7th at 6 p.m. at the Midtown location for the citywide worship night started in me. All the churches come together once a month for this. Well, all the churches that want to anyway. And uh, and so we'll be hosting it there at the Midtown Chapel on that night at 6 p.m. Who thinks they could be there that night to worship the Lord with some of your fellow brothers and sisters? Yeah. So that is going to be absolutely great. And, uh, and, and that'll be the first event that we have there. Okay. So now we'll back up and go through a few other announcements. First of all, who likes yard sales? I mean, just, just, just admit it. Okay. You like them, you love them, everyone knows it. Okay, so uh, this Saturday we are having the HDWC Harvest Fest yard sale, amen? And that is going to be um, starting at 8 a.m. to around 1 p.m. Um, and it's going to be on the corner of Virginia Way and Muriel, so a very key location. We've had a lot of success there with a few yard sales already, and uh, this has definitely been one of our best fundraisers for Harvest Fest and our missions trip uh, that we took this year. So um, I believe they can still receive donations. Am I right on that, Summer? 
Okay. And if you have large items that you want to donate and need somebody to pick them up, let us know. These flyers are back there and it's got a summer or Chris Crank's number and they'll schedule for someone to come pick it up. All right. So, you know, we, we will do this and we want the, any good donations we can get. All of the proceeds are going to Harvest Fest. So this is going to be something we're really counting on this Saturday. You can spread the word. I'm sure we'll put it online for people to see and all that great stuff. So very good stuff going on there. All right. Do we have any men in the house tonight? You're a man and you know it. Amen. All right. And you're proud of it? All right, man. Yeah. Okay. Well, very good. Well, Praise God. Hey, uh, we're going to be having the October men's meeting uh, is going to be on Saturday the 7th at 9 a.m. over here in Victory Hall. Amen. And we have a very special guest cook this time. And it's none other than my brother-in-law, Colin, my man right here. Everyone here, my man, Colin. Amen. So... The brother can cook. He invited me over for steaks this last weekend, and I, I didn't know what to expect. The man brought out like 25 steaks this thick. They, it was incredible. I ate steak for days. It was wonderful. So I'm not saying that's going to be at the men's meeting, but I am saying, men, you ought to be there just to find out, you know? Amen? All right. So let's uh, let's go. We've got a few more Harvest Fest announcements. Of course, the candy bins are out there at the info booth. Let's keep filling those up. Teenagers versus children. And we also have the change war going on for your coin. So uh, bring those in for the youth or the or the uh, kids, whoever you want to win. And the winner gets a pizza party. And as we talked about the other day, you may be thinking, that's not a very big prize. Take yourself back to like third grade. Uh, a pizza party, you might as well win the Super Bowl, right? I mean, it's huge. So uh, this is big for the kids. Do it for the kids and the teens. Bring in your change and your candy, and it's going to be great. All right, and the last announcement for tonight is uh, the intentional parenting class. It starts this Sunday night, everybody. And so we've got 15 families already signed up. We order a few more books. We can take three more families, all right, or, you know, uh, parents or grandparents that want to get involved. So we've got room for three more uh, for a total of 18 families. Uh, the, the cost is $30 for the book and supplies. It'll be every Sunday night in October, five Sunday nights in October, uh, starting at at 4 to 5.30, child care is provided. And I'm just saying, man, take advantage of this opportunity uh, to get a game plan for your parenting. It is a very, very, uh, very good gift to you, all right? So, all right, I think that's all the announcements. We also want you to know that the October devotional is already out at the info booth because it's going to be October in a few days. So you can grab a hard copy there and we'll put the digital one online in the next few days and get all that for you. Okay, so uh, who knows what time it is? Anyone? Yeah, it's happy time. Why? Because God loves a cheerful giver. If you need an envelope, raise your hand and the ushers will get you one. If you're giving online, you can go to hdwc.org slash giving. Amen. Hallelujah. That was a lot of good announcements, wasn't it? Okay. Do we have any men in the house? All right. I'll give you some insight, inside information on what we're going to eat. Anybody want to know? Uh, since how Colin is a combat vet and he learned how to do a lot of cook in the army we have a surplus of MREs <laughs> just joking just joking I had to throw <laughs> throw an old joke in there somewhere alright uh, if you need an envelope then go ahead and hold up your hands I know we said that make sure you get it but open up to Matthew chapter 6 verse 33 
Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. And Pastor Dave says we have about 15 families going to be going to the to the family class on Sunday night. I, I just started a series on God's financial plan for your life. Part one was last week. Part two is this week. And so I really want to recommend that you watch watch the YouTube, Facebook, or something for this uh, coming Sunday night's part two. We talked we talked about number one thing you got to do to follow God's plan. You got to know the plan. And so last week we really went into a lot of detail teaching you how to find out God's financial plan for your family. And then this week we're going to look at the first step in that plan. And I, I can tell you this. If you don't know the first step and follow the plan, then really the rest of the plan doesn't count. It won't work. You'll still be living like a person that doesn't even know Jesus. But when you know Jesus, Matthew 6, 33 here, give you a little clue about it. If you don't know Jesus, you're just out there living by luck and hoping things work in the financial arena, living like the world that doesn't know God. But when you get the plan and then take this crucial step we're going to teach about on Sunday night that you've taken the first step and you're on the way to be able to be financial secure and free. Amen? And so I want to say it again. If, if you're going to be going to the classes or if you're not going to be here Sunday night, watch it on YouTube later on or Facebook because it'll change your life and it'll build your faith up if you're already a believer walking in it. But Matthew 6, 33 says, But seek ye... What's that, what's that next word? i got to circle my Bible because it's critical. First, seek ye first, seek ye first. And that's what we'll be talking about Sunday night is the first step. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Now look at this next phrase. All these things shall be added unto you. And then the previous few verses, he tells you about the things. It's the necessities of life. Food, clothing, modern times, gasoline, transportation, college money, school money, things you need. But I want you, I want you I want I want to point out something here jumped off of me today as I was putting this lesson together for Sunday. Seek ye first, and then the last phrase God, and then things shall be added. That jumped off at me. Put God first with your money as says God adds things. God doesn't just add things, you put things first. You put him first, things are added. And so I just want to just really emphasize tonight. No matter where you are in your walk with God, always know this. Tithing is one of the first thing God tells believers to do, is bring the tithe in so God's blessing can be on everything else you do in life. Amen? And so put him first. So I just encourage, encourage the tithers and the covenant people in the church, keep on having confidence the word's working, keep on doing what we do, the financial faith confession, keep on confessing God's word, and no matter how much things are, or what a scarcity would be, God will always add things to you. Amen? Amen. Well, let's stand up. Make our financial faith confession. As we bring the Lord's tithe and give offerings today, we believe we receive jobs or better jobs, promotions, raises and bonuses, benefits, sales and commissions, growth in business, settlements, estates and inheritance, interest and income, rebates and returns, Checks in the mail, gifts and surprises, finding money, bills paid off, debts paid off, royalties received, blessings and increase. Thank you, Lord. Meet all my financial needs so I have more than enough to take good care of my family, give just me in the kingdom of God. 
promote the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. If you want, you can join us at the altar for worship tonight. And let's worship the Lord again.
are faithful and we love you so much. And we thank you, Jesus, that you've never left us. You've been there with us every step of the way. And Lord, I thank you that you love us enough uh, to help us, Lord, to help us to change, to help us to be more like you. And I pray tonight that as we have open hearts to you, we have soft hearts to receive the word of God, I pray that as the seed is planted, that it is growing in our lives. And you're gonna use this evening, Lord, to change us for your glory. We praise you and thank you for it. In Jesus' name, can someone say amen tonight? Amen. All right. Give the Lord some praise this evening. Yes. All right. Uh, let's see here. If uh, you're in second through fifth grade, you can be dismissed to your class now. Your teachers are back there by the lobby. And, of course, youth group can, uh, if you're still here with us, you can go to youth group next door if you'd like to. Amen. And we're going to get into the word here this evening. Amen. Isn't it great to see all the kids in this church? Makes me happy. All right. Thank you, Jesus. Well, we're going to go ahead and get right into the word tonight. I'm just going to go straight into this thing. Um, so we've been doing a series on Wednesday nights that I did not intend to do. Uh, I just preached on being lukewarm a few weeks ago, and we seem to strike a nerve with it, strike a chord. And uh, each week, uh, the Lord's just been having me go on with it. And frankly, it's not even what I wanted to preach about, but God says that it needs to be talked about. So apparently, uh, we're just uh, doing what he said to do here here. Uh, so uh, tonight's going to be part four of this uh, discussion on signs of being lukewarm. Signs of being lukewarm. And I'll caution you tonight that we're going to go a little deep, okay? We're going we're gonna to hit some stuff tonight. And uh, my usual uh, MO is to, you know, uh, encourage you, inspire you, get some laughs in there and have a great time, make you go home just feeling wonderful. And that's what I intend to do tonight. But uh, uh, we're going to hit some stuff. So uh, we're really going to make the rubber meet the road tonight. And I'm just like, Lord, if we hit it all tonight, can we can we move on to another sermon next Wednesday night? So we'll see if God says that this is enough of this tonight. But uh, we're going to dig a little bit deeper on signs of being lukewarm. And again, uh, we're going to we're going to hit some stuff tonight. And and I really, you know, as I was just I wrote this sermon this morning and as I was, you know, writing it and talking to the Lord about it, uh, I mean, I really felt the anointing of God on this and like this is going to really help some people, those that listen. And we, we're well aware that in any service, any sermon, it's just like the parable Jesus told of this, the farmer that was scattering seed, you know, uh, the exact same seed was being thrown from his bag as he walked down the road and some of the seed fell on uh, hard ground and it just didn't do anything at all. It basically just bounced right back up. Some seed fell amongst thorns and nothing happened. Some seed fell on ground that had weeds and they just choked the life out of it. And then there was a percentage of the seed that fell on this soft and moist ground and the seed just sunk right in and it, and it, and it, and it grew this crop that it says was 30, 60, even a hundred times as much has been planted. And Jesus said that the seed in this story represents the word of God and the ground represents people's hearts. And so 
As a pastor and as a preacher, you understand that nearly any sermon you deliver, not everybody in the place is just going to receive all of it. That's why some people leave and they're like, man, that was life changing. And then someone could have been sitting in the next row over and be like, man, that was dry as dirt. I didn't get a thing out of it. They were just not with it tonight. And hey, you know what? That's just that I, I can't help that. All right. But what I'm saying tonight is I believe those that will listen to this, this could be a game changer. And it'll, you know, it could be a corrective thing for you. Uh, but anyway, I just, I really want uh, you to receive the word of the Lord tonight. So let's approach the next 33 minutes or so <laughs> with very open hearts. Amen. All right, let's pray and we're going to dig in. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you, Lord, for your holy written word. We thank you, Jesus, that we have the gift of the Bible to change our lives. And I pray tonight that as we are uh, studying the word, as we are looking at what you have to say, that we will be open to receiving everything that you have for us, Lord. And I pray that tonight will be a life-changing night for us because, Lord, we do not want to stay the same. We want to grow. Uh, we don't want to be stuck. We don't want to be stale and lukewarm. We want to grow in our faith and be and have everything you've called us to. Thank you for it. In Jesus' name, can someone say amen tonight? All right. I may go kind of fast, but let's look at Revelation 3. And we'll look here at verses 15 through 16. This is just review. This is the main text for the whole thing we've been discussing. So this is simply a very quick review. And then we'll dig into some new stuff here. So Revelation 3. And of course, uh, in the book of Revelation, it starts off with seven letters written to seven different churches. And the Lord tells them some good things they're doing and some things they need to change. And this particular letter right here is to the church at Laodicea. And so here's what Jesus has to say to the church at Laodicea. And of course, we need to look at it through the lens of our own lives too. Revelation 3, uh, verse 15, the Lord says, I know all the things you do, that you are neither hot nor cold. I wish you were one or the other. But since you are like lukewarm water, neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. And so Jesus very clearly uh, has a negative connotation with lukewarm water and lukewarm Christianity. And uh, and lukewarm Christianity, for a number of reasons, is a very dangerous way to live your life. We could go into all that. Maybe we will sometime. But the, one of the main dangers is you are absolutely not prepared for an attack of the enemy. Uh, and you are absolutely not prepared for the end of the world, which, you know, as we studied scripture seems like is fastly approaching. And so a lukewarm Christian has a very false sense of security. They say things like, oh yeah, me and God, we're cool. We got this thing. I'm not, you know, church, it's cool, but I don't need to be there. Calm down on reading the Bible. You've got a controlling spirit, brother. You say we need to read the Bible every day. You know, you're just overbearing. And they say things like that and they'll accuse you of, of being, you know, having a religious controlling spirit if you have morals and boundaries and thus, you know, they are in a danger spot when the enemy attacks because they're not prepared. All right. And so uh, we're going to look at three more signs of being lukewarm tonight. And uh, I just want you to, to look at this and, 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 and apply it to your life. We always say this, but apply the medicine to you, not to everybody else. Because we often hear a sermon like, man, I know who that's for right now. My sister could have used that because my gosh, wow. 
And really, Jesus is saying, hey, man, I was talking to you, dude. Listen up. I'm trying to get your attention. And so uh, sometimes the medicine stings a little bit, though. Who knows that? That just means it's working, right? Yeah, you know, it reminds me of the story when I got a massive cut on my back and my brother back there said, hey, I'll help you. He was the cause of the cut. All right. Because he shoved me through a cabinet. And so he's like, don't tell mom, I'll fix it. And he's like, I got some medicine for it. He gets a bottle of rubbing alcohol out and pours it down. And I screamed bloody murder. And, and he's like, no, that means it's working. Shut up. Don't tell mom. All right. And so. You know, if you've got an open wound tonight and we just dump some, you know, medicine on it and it stings and you're like, hey, don't say that to me. Well, that just means the medicine's working, okay? So don't get mad at me. All right, here we go. Three signs of being lukewarm. And I I hope tonight's the last night of this, but if we keep going, it's, it's up to Jesus, all right? Number one, massive sign is you pick and choose which parts of the Bible you'll obey. Number one, you pick and choose which parts of the Bible you'll obey. Now, this is something that every single one of us has been guilty of at one point or another. Amen. Who I'll raise my hand. I've been guilty of this before, and it's just the truth of the matter. But that doesn't justify it uh, because that, that's a wrong way to approach the Christian life and our faith, someone that has a pure heart before the Lord does not want to live like that. They, they don't. They want to obey God's word to the best that they can and live to please God in every aspect of their life. So 2 Timothy 3.16, let's go over there. 2 Timothy 3.16, amen. Are you with me tonight? Amen. We're going to dig a little deep here in a few minutes. 2 Timothy Chapter 3, and we're going to look at verse 16, 2 Timothy 3, 16. And this whole chapter, 2 Timothy 3 and 4, is a really, really important eschatology and times chapter of the Bible. The Apostle Paul lays out some very specific things that you'll see taking place in the end times. But it's very, very interesting that he throws this verse in here with it. So 2 Timothy 3 and verse 16, and it tells us all scripture, say all scripture, is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. So how much scripture is inspired by God? All of it. It was all written by God. And yes, he used human beings. He used men to put the pen to the paper, to write it down. But it was under the inspiration of God. And he was telling them what to say. And so all scripture applies to all of our lives, even the parts that we don't particularly like. And so are there some parts of the Bible I enjoy more than others? Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, absolutely. I love the parts that say that God wants to be healthy, wealthy, and wise. I think it's great. It's awesome. Beloved, I wish above all things that you would prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. Love that verse. Psalm 23, verse 1, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Love it. Then there's other parts that say, love your neighbor as yourself. And I'm like, um, let's just, there's, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I have everything that I need. Amen. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. And so, you know, there's some parts, yeah, that I probably enjoy reading more than others. But does that mean that I am exempt from obeying the other 
portions of the word of God. No. And as I was thinking about it, I believe, you know, kind of a blessing and a curse, but a major problem we have in our generation is the overload of choices and options we have. If I'm uh, watching TV and, you know, there's, I don't like that. Well, then I've got 5,000 other options, right? You know, uh, and then I've got 50 million options on YouTube. And, and so I can always, I can always find exactly what I want to hear at any time. I can always find exactly what I want to eat at any time. You know, back in the day, I was watching a documentary on restaurants. And when the original restaurants hundreds of years ago, basically they had... Whatever the cook made that day, that was the menu. And so let's say the guy cooking made a giant pot of soup that day. Well, you came in and you got a bowl of soup. There were no options. You simply took what the guy made that day. And now we go in and there's five pages of options. And if I don't like that, I'll go to one of the other 50 restaurants on that same street, right? Because I can just get whatever I want, whenever I want to tickle my fancy and just make me feel exactly how I want to feel. There's nothing wrong with finding exactly what you want to eat or watch as long as it's godly. Uh, but I will say, spiritually speaking, it's real easy to come across a verse that challenges you or tells you you're wrong and then quickly flip to one that tells you you're good enough, you're smart enough, and doggone it, people like you. You know, am I right? Yeah. And so it's easy to do that. And is it is that the right way to grow in the Lord. And the Lord's been challenging me on some things lately that frankly I haven't loved. But guess what? I'm sitting there taking, uh, I'm taking it, man. I don't want to stay the same if the way I've been doing it is wrong. I don't. I, I don't want to live my life wrong. I don't want to uh, live out my Christianity the wrong way. I want to do this right, and I want to bring glory to God. Uh, that, that, that's the most important thing in the world to me, is living my life for Him. And I know this much, and I've seen it my whole life, lukewarm Christians do not want to be challenged spiritually. They don't. They, they want to be inspired. And what we have on our hands, and this is the truth of the matter, and I don't care if I sound like an old man saying this, but we have an entire culture and generation of Christians that want to be inspired by the word of God, but they don't want to be changed by the word of God. And that's an issue. That's a very dangerous issue. Because all scripture is given and inspired by God. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. We just read that, 2 Timothy 3.16. And so, listen, the Bible is the best gift you've ever been given in your life. It should inspire you and build you up and encourage you. Thank you, Jesus. And it should challenge you. It should rough you up a little bit. And it should change your life. And we should want to change to be more like the Bible, not try to get the Bible to be changed to be more like us. And I saw the craziest thing the other day. I saw, uh, you know, maybe you saw this on the internet. Somebody that's living an ungodly lifestyle. Uh, they went to an AI website and, you know, could you make up a scripture of what Jesus would say about my lifestyle? And an AI generated Bible website 
made up an, an entire passage of scripture of what Jesus would say to affirm this transgender lifestyle that this person was talking about. And the person was like, man, thank God. Now I know that, that the Bible affirms what I'm doing. I'm like, hold on people. Listen, this is dangerous ground. And again, I'm not trying to sound like the 85 year old conspiracy theorist, but I don't need an AI generated Bible. Uh, this one's working just great for me for 38 years now. It's healed me of cancer. It's saved my marriage. It's grown a church. It's done all sorts of wonderful things. I don't need a new Bible that changes to be like me. I need to change to be like the Bible. And if that's an issue, then we've got some issues right here that need to be dealt with. All right. And so uh, we're going to look at first Corinthians chapter six. All right. And so lukewarm Christians do not want to be challenged spiritually. They want Christianity to be as comfortable and easy as possible. And if it requires change or growth on their part, a lukewarm Christian, they're not interested in that. And, you know, I've seen people even at, at this church that just haven't really wanted to be challenged. They they haven't wanted uh, to make changes in their life. But I can say this, that there are some in this congregation that over the past season, I have seen begin to make some good, good changes and get a lot more serious about God. And that makes me more happy than anything in this world. When someone finally starts to take their faith seriously. That's a beautiful, beautiful thing. And so we know this much. Not every single verse is going to affirm your lifestyle and tell you that you're doing it right. You know that there's plenty of verses that tell me I am doing some things wrong. Do I get mad at the Bible and say, how dare you? I'm going to cancel you now. You've got no business talking to me like that. No, I say, oh my I got to change again, but listen, I'm changing every single day, man, every day. And it's a beautiful thing. But if you remember last year, uh, it was March of 22, we, and into April, anyway, whatever, uh, we did an expository study on the book of first Corinthians. Anybody remember that? We basically read every single verse in the entire book of first Corinthians. It's the most in-depth verse by verse teaching that I've ever done. And, and we nearly read every single verse in first Corinthians. And so if you were here, or if you know a little bit about, uh, first Corinthians, we know that the church of Corinth, the Corinthian church was a very carnal, lukewarm, and immature group of Christians. Uh, they were, what some people say, very similar to modern-day America. And, you know, some Bible scholars call it First and Second Californians. But it's First and Second Corinthians. That's not a joke. Some guys really refer to it as that. But, um, but you know, they were an interesting bunch. They, um, they did some things right. And they did some things wrong. They didn't want to be challenged. Uh, they just wanted to be told that they were doing everything the right way and to leave it alone. And so you literally see people in First Corinthians bragging about speaking in tongues, yet they're sleeping around with people they aren't married to. And Paul's like, uh, I wouldn't be bragging. <laughs> and they also have people here in chapter 5, uh, or no, chapter 6, where they're suing fellow church members for stupid things. Like, hey... 
I'm going to sue you. And, and, they're, and they're taking their issues and literally fellow church members suing each other. And Paul is like, you guys are the biggest mess I have ever seen in my life. There was one man in the church that was in a relationship with his own stepmother. And Paul said, kick that guy out of the church. I'm serious. Read the, read first Corinthians. It's, it's incredible. And so we read stuff like that in 2023 and we're like, that is judgmental, overbearing. He has a controlling spirit and he is religious and I can't take anything like that. And I'm going to show you a few things that Paul wrote to the Corinthian church. Then I'm going to show you a follow-up letter that he wrote to them after first Corinthians. All right. So first Corinthians chapter six. And we're going to look at verses 9 through 11. Now, again, keep in mind, I didn't write the Bible. I just read it. <laughs> so 1 Corinthians chapter 6. And we're going to look here at verses 9 through 11. And, and Paul writing to the, this is a Christian church, right? He says, don't you realize that those who do wrong will not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't fool yourselves. Those who indulge in sexual sin or who worship idols or commit adultery or are male prostitutes or practice homosexuality or are thieves or greedy people or drunkards or are abusive or cheat people, none of these will inherit the kingdom of God. Verse 11. Some of you were once like that, but you were cleansed. You were made holy. You were made right with God by calling on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the spirit of our God. Now, I read kind of some of the mild verses there, to be honest. There's some much more <laughs> hard-hitting verses that Paul threw in there. Um, but that that's, I mean, that's just some straight-up truth from the Apostle Paul. And one thing important to note about Paul and any good Christian leader is this, is that Paul cared more about your soul than your feelings. Now, this is a struggle for me, honestly, to be transparent because I really love everybody, honest to God, and I really like people. And I don't ever, ever like hurting people or, you know, and, you know, you may, may surprise you, but I, I don't like, uh, I don't like, you know, discouraging or hurting people. And I never want to discourage people, but I, I know this much. I do care more about you going to heaven someday than I care about hurting your feelings right now in 2023, because this is something where if we receive correction and change it's awesome and it's a temporary hurt, you know, and, and it's, you know, a little discipline, but it's a good thing. But if like, and again, there's, there's a, to be honest, a lot of churches and preachers like this these days, I'm just being honest. Okay. That they don't ever want to talk about any correction or discipline or instruction. They simply want to motivate you and encourage you and, you know, make you really happy. And that's some of my favorite stuff to do. But I know that that's not the only way we can preach because that's not the only way, the only thing the Bible talks about. Do you understand that? Amen. And so a lukewarm Christian does not want to be challenged, but a pure hearted Christian does want to be challenged. They want to say, you know what, if I'm doing it wrong, tell me because I, 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 I want to do this right. I want to please my heavenly father. 
because I'm going to stand before him someday and I'm going to have to look him in the face at some point in time, Jesus. And, and, and I got to answer for this life and I don't want to get up there and be a fraud and a fake and a lukewarmer. I want to stand before God with a pure conscience. And so Paul writes first Corinthians and it is a no nonsense, hard hitting, slap in the face letter. But I want you to look at another letter that he wrote to them. Do you, any guesses on what it's called? Second Corinthians. Yay. All right. So second Corinthians chapter seven, second Corinthians chapter seven, and we're going to look here at verses eight through 10, second Corinthians seven. We're going to look at verses eight through 10. Amen. And so I'm praying that the word of God is doing what it's supposed to do tonight, challenging us and, and sharpening us up. So second Corinthians seven verses eight through 10. And and Paul says, I am not sorry that I sent that severe letter to you, though I was sorry at first. Wow. Paul said that for, I know it was painful to you for a little while. Verse 9, but now I am glad I sent it, not because it hurts you, but because the pain caused you to repent and change your ways. And I'll tell you right now, there's been times that pain from the word of God and from preaching or whatever else has caused me to repent and to change my ways. And it, it didn't feel good, but my goodness, to know that I'm changing and I'm getting on the right track. That does feel good. Paul says, it was the kind of sorrow God wants his people to have. So you were not harmed by us in any way. For the kind of sorrow God wants us to experience leads us away from sin and results in salvation. There's no regret for that kind of sorrow, but worldly sorrow, which lacks repentance, results in spiritual death. My goodness, that is some real talk right there. Amen. And so there's a godly sorrow, which leads us to repentance. And then there's a worldly or a non-godly sorrow where people just want you to feel bad. People just want you to feel shamed and, and terrible. And, and so I'm going to, I'm going to say this much that, well, I don't want, never mind. I'm going to get ahead of myself. I'll say that much in just a minute. I don't want to get ahead of myself, but these people made a massive change. The Corinthians made a massive change. They could have, they could have got mad at Paul and said, how dare you? You have no right to talk to us that way. Who do you think you are? We're canceling you and we hope that you die. And that's what most people say in 2023, but they were like, you know what? They took a hard look at their lives and they actually changed. And in second Corinthians, Paul can say, my goodness, I am so glad that you received the truth. Amen. All right. And so everything we just said, a lukewarm Christian doesn't get that concept. Uh, and I, and we've been, I've been there. You've probably been there, but a lukewarm Christian because of their pride, they want to defend themselves to the death. Even if God's telling them that they're wrong, they'll defend themselves. You're like, God could be straight up saying, this is wrong. The scripture says it. You know it in your heart that it's wrong. And somebody that their heart is not all there with God, they'll just defend it all the way until the end. And I've seen it. And that's not how we want to be. All right. And so they ignore correction. Number two, point number two, signs of being lukewarm. You ignore correction. 
signs of being lukewarm, you ignore correction. Now, I understand that nobody absolutely loves correction, but the first verse we looked at tonight, 2 Timothy 3.16 says that scripture is given to correct us. And so if you cannot receive correction, you're probably not going to like the Bible very much because it is full of correction. Has anybody noticed that? That it's full of wisdom. It's full of encouragement. It's full of faith. It's full of everything we need in this world. And it's definitely full of correction. And truthfully, nobody wants to be told they're wrong on something But pure-hearted Christians want to know when they're wrong so they can fix it. Hebrews chapter 12. I can see that I'm going to have to move quick. Hebrews chapter 12. And we're going to look at verses 5 through 6. Are we getting anything out of the word tonight? Amen. Hebrews chapter 12. Verses 5 through 6. And the... This scripture right here is referenced all over the Bible, all over Proverbs, all over the Bible. This exact, uh, this, these exact words. But Hebrews 12 verse 5, it says, and have you forgotten the encouraging words God spoke to you as his children? He said, my child, don't make light of the Lord's discipline and don't give up when he corrects you. Notice that it says at the beginning of that verse that these are encouraging words from God. It's encouraging to receive discipline and correction from the word of God. Well, how could that be? Well, verse six says, for the Lord disciplines those he loves and he punishes each one he accepts as his child. And so God loves us enough to correct us. I love my kids. I mean, I love them. And because of that, I correct them. Why Do I correct my kids because I love them? Why? I'll tell you why. I love them. I don't want them to get hurt. And another reason is, this may sound, I'm not trying to be funny. I don't want them to grow up to be idiots. I'm I'm being very serious. Amen? I, I want to keep them from harm. And I do not want my kids to grow up to be little idiots. And and somebody that's just left to roam free and do whatever they want, they have no respect for rules, no respect for boundaries, no respect for anything like that. They are an out-of-control mess. And I see, and you see, I'm some, we all see people that just were never corrected in life. And then they grow up. And when the boss says, you're going to have to show up on time. The office opens at 9. I need you here by 9. And they continuously show up at 9.05. Then they get fired. And then they think the boss is mean and abusive. No. No. There were rules. You had no respect for the rules. And then you got fired after 55 warnings. I don't feel sorry for that. Well, why is that? That goes back to somebody should have told them earlier that there is a framework within we live our life by. There are rules and boundaries. We obey the law so long as it doesn't go against the word of God, even if it's a law we don't like. I live in the state of California. There's hardly any laws that I like here. I think most of them are really stupid, all right? But I obey them because I'm a Christian. 
until the governor says, I can't go to church with you guys, then I will disobey that every day of the week, all day long. When the governor says, I can't sing worship songs in public, I'm going to disobey that. But why? Because the scripture tells me just the opposite. But if it's just something I think is dumb, like I can't use a plastic straw, well, I'll obey it because the Bible literally says nothing about plastic straws. So whatever, I'll use a paper straw and get soggy, you know, Sprite or whatever. Amen. But at the same time, I want my kids to grow up to respect rules and laws and boundaries. And, and I want them to, and, and here's the thing, all the kids in my household, they will tell me when I grow up, I want to be the boss, all of them. And if you know the children in my house, none of them are shy. They're very, <laughs> they're all very assertive and they are very uh, motivated, but all of them, they want to be the boss. They want a big house and nice cars. And so I, and so to get there, I force them to do their homework. They get, every one of them except Sam gets mad at me every single day. He has some, for some reason he likes doing, I don't know, but the rest of them, they all hate it and they think I'm being mean and controlling, but I'm saying, no, why? Why, why am I making you do homework? I'm making you do homework because you told me you wanted to be the boss someday. Who gets to be the boss? The people that work really hard, you know, do the right thing and get an education. And I'm not trying to offend anybody by that. I'm just, I'm being truthful. All right. And so I tell my kids and you know, this is, you know, whatever you tell your kids what you want to tell them. But if you want to be the boss, you want to, you know, you want to be on crib someday, giving a tour of your house. It's not even a show anymore. I don't think, but anyway, you know, you want to look cool in front of everybody. You want all these nice cars. And uh, I mean, that's fine. If that's your dream, I'm not crashing on that. That will never happen. If you're lazy in ninth grade and can't do your U.S. history homework, don't talk to me about being the boss. I'll look at some other career options for you. That could be a, a good choice for you. And I'm not trying to be mean. Hear my heart on that. I want every kid in my house to have the opportunity to grow up to be the boss, to have a huge house and to have cars that, you know, they think are so cool. That's fine. I don't have a thing in the world against that. I have a thing, a lot of things against thinking that you just automatically get those things by being lazy and not trying hard at school or being a bum at work. You're that's stupid. That's deception. And, and it's not going to work. All right. And so I correct them and make them do the right thing because as the father, I want to see their dreams come true. Now, your father in heaven, he will correct you. He will, he won't full out force you to do the right thing. But he will strongly nudge you and, 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 and he will correct you and discipline you. Why? Because he wants to see your dreams come true. And in fact, beyond that, he wants to do, according to Ephesians 3.20, exceeding and abundantly above all that you could even ask or think according to the power which works in you. And so why does God correct us? Well, he wants to keep us safe from harm as any good father does, but he knows that if you'll receive correction and you'll do things according to the book right here, your dreams and beyond will come true. I, I, it'll happen. It'll happen. But 
we've got to be able to receive some discipline and correction. And lukewarm Christians, they're not down with that. All right? And so God may be correcting you even right now in this message or disciplining you, but it's so he can help you reach your dreams. Hebrews 13, 17 I'm going to have to kick it into turbo drive here or I'm not going to finish this message. And I would really like to move on to something next Wednesday night. Okay, <laughs> So Hebrews 13 and verse 17, all right? Hebrews 13, 17 in the NLT, it says, Obey your spiritual leaders and do what they say. Their work is to watch over your souls and they're accountable to God. Give them reason to do this with joy and not with sorrow. That would certainly not be for your benefit. And so whoever your spiritual leader is, maybe it's me, maybe it's, you know, I don't know, maybe whatever. But your spiritual leader, if you're a member of this church, then the pastors would be your spiritual leaders. Listen, the word of God, like we're preaching tonight, is out of love. And because we give an account for your soul. And I'm not going to get to heaven And look Jesus in the eyes and him say, why did you not tell them about that part of the Bible? I don't want to hurt no one, man. I want to be popular. You know, I was trying to get more Instagram followers. Jesus, how could you even ask? No, absolutely not. I want to be able to look at them and say, I did tell them. They chose. And I feel bad about it, but I did tell them. And I didn't want to tell them, but I did. And they chose something different. The Message Bible puts it this way. The Message Bible, verse 17 it says, be responsive to your pastoral leaders. Listen to their counsel. They are alert to the condition of your lives and work under the strict supervision of God. And I am not willing to get in trouble with my boss because you got mad at me. <laughs> Contribute to the joy of their leadership, not its drudgery. Why would you want to make things harder for them? Amen. I'm just going to leave that verse alone and go into number three. That's, I just, I read it. I did my part. I read it. Amen. All right. Let's go to number three. And it's this part. And this, this is probably the most extreme sign of being lukewarm, unless God tells us something else for next Wednesday. But I'm hoping this is the ending point. Number three, signs of being lukewarm. You ignore conviction. You ignore conviction. This is the level 10 danger zone. This is red flags. This is big yellow lights flashing and sirens going off when you ignore correction. Now, when the Holy Spirit speaks to your heart through the word, a sermon, or just straight up nudging you and you ignore it, that's really, really bad. Uh, It's what we would call a calloused or hardened heart. Now, I'll say that there's a difference between conviction and condemnation. There's a difference between conviction and condemnation. Now, Jesus said in John 3.17, everybody loves John 3.16, but in John 3.17, Jesus said he didn't come into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world. So, conviction is when you know in your heart you are wrong and you need to change. Conviction is God speaking to you. Sometimes it may be stern and strict, but it's, conviction is out of love. Conviction is God speaking to your heart, warning you, getting your attention, saying, Stop. That road is going to drive right off the cliff. Turn around. I love you. Do not go that way. It will kill you. That's out of love. That's the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Condemnation is from Satan. Condemnation is to make you feel hopeless and helpless and ashamed. It's to drive a wedge between you and God. 
condemnation. Jesus said, I didn't come to condemn the world. I came to save it. But there is a conviction in our hearts. And so whenever you hear a message like this, hopefully the Holy Spirit is convicting our hearts and, 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 you know, kind of, Hey, Hey, listen, I get, listen to that. You, you know what I'm saying? And he's trying to get your attention. Condemnation is you walk out the doors and say, why even try? God's mad at me. Uh, I'm worthless. I could never do enough right things to get right with God. And I, I just feel further away from him than I've ever felt. That's not what the goal of any of this is. Condemnation separates you from God. Conviction says, I've been growing away from God. I want to come back to God. Amen. If you've got a soft heart, that's what conviction will do. I want to look at one final thing here and then we'll be done. All right. First Timothy 1, 19 through 20. First Timothy 1, 19 through 20. So conviction is to help you change and draw closer to God. Amen. Conviction. Who's experienced conviction from the Holy Spirit? Amen. You've experienced some conviction from the Holy Spirit. And yeah, I mean, it doesn't, it's not that it feels good, but it, it comes from love. And so, 1 Timothy chapter 1, and we're going to look at verses 19 through 20. 1 Timothy chapter 1, and we're going to look at verses 19 through 20. And so, here's what the Apostle Paul says to Timothy, a young man. He says, Cling to your faith in Christ and keep your conscience clear. For some people have deliberately violated their consciences, and as a result, their faith has been shipwrecked. People that deliberately keep on violating their conscience. What's the end result of that? Shipwrecked faith. And verse 20 says, Hymenaeus and Alexander are two examples. I threw them out and handed them over to Satan so they might learn not to blaspheme God. Oh my goodness. That's, that's not the verse you're going to put on your refrigerator or read to the children before bedtime probably. You know, yeah. Here, kids. Yeah. Paul says he threw out Hymenaeus and Alexander, uh, for the destruction of the flesh so they might learn to not blaspheme God. Sweet dreams. You know, that, but hey, the, this verse is very, very important. Uh, and so keep your conscience clear. Do you hear me tonight? Keep a clear conscience before God. If your heart and your conscience keep telling you something is wrong, don't push through those warnings and feelings of conviction. It'll literally shipwreck your faith. And this is how, you know, we've seen it all the time. There's been a, a new thing over the last couple of years of I'm deconstructing my faith and I'm unbecoming a, a Christian now. And it's, it's kind of a trend and a popular thing, seeing a lot of people that were at one time, especially famous Christian singers and musicians uh, doing this. They're in the deconstruction phase. It's, it's really a bunch of nonsense. But, uh, but, but how did they get there? Well, they probably, the Holy Spirit would convict them about something and they felt bad about it, but they just kept doing it and ignoring conviction and, and, and ignoring it. And eventually they became so calloused that it shipwrecked their faith. And they're like, you know what? That whole thing's a crock. I mean, <laughs> that whole thing is just meant to control you and to, and to blah, 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 blah. No, no. Uh, 
there, there are boundaries within our faith. There are borders. There are, uh, the, 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 there are lines there to keep us within the safe zone. It's not to control us. It's to keep us safe. And I think that's so important for us to understand. And I want you to see uh, one last thing in chapter 4. Chapter 4. Chapter 4. Verses 1 and 2. 1 Timothy 4, verses 1 and 2. It says, Now the Holy Spirit tells us clearly that in the last times, which I believe we're in right now, some will turn away from the true faith. They will follow deceptive spirits and teachings that come from demons. These people are hypocrites and liars. But look at this. And their consciences are dead. These people just got so, they became so lukewarm, so calloused, they got so used to ignoring the conviction of the Holy Spirit that literally they killed their conscience. Their conscience became dead. And when your conscience is dead, you're numb to everything. There's things that should bother you that don't bother you. There's things that should just absolutely repulse you and they don't. And you tell other Christians that have standards and morals to calm down, man. My gosh, you take everything so seriously. Wow. You know, don't you think you're being a little hardcore fanatical with that? And a lukewarm Christian, again, they think everybody else that has standards and, and a code of ethics from scripture, they think you're an extremist. And that's, I've learned to be okay with that. <laughs> I'm not someone out there that's forcing my views and opinions on the world. You know that about me. I'm not out there going after people, but straight up, I'm not going to back down from the truth. Not a chance in the world. And, uh, and so if the truth of God's word is offensive, then... All I know is this much. Jesus said in John 8, 32, if you would know the truth, the truth would set you free. Amen. And I, I want to be free. I, I don't want to be in bondage or slavery to anything or anybody in this world. I want the truth, even if the truth hurts. And I've said this a lot of times, but just because the truth hurts doesn't change the fact that it's true. There have been times that I have been dead wrong on some things and I did not want to hear it from God, from, you know, my parents, from anybody. But when I softened my heart and like, you know what? Got to lay down my pride. I was wrong. I have to change. I have to. And I've been there. I'm nearly there every day of my life. You know, <laughs> God works on me. Every day at 5 a.m. with a cup of coffee and a Bible sitting in a recliner in my bedroom. Amen? It's just, he does. And I don't always like it, but it always changes me and makes me more into the man that I'm supposed to be. All right? I've already gone 10 minutes over, but I can tell you this much tonight that we are near the end of the world according to Scripture. You think I'm crazy, but that's fine. You think I'm crazy, and it's fine. Uh, but but it's true. And I will tell you this much. And the Wednesday night crowd, you guys are pretty hardcore anyway. I'm not going to lie. If you come on a Wednesday night, 
the Sunday nighters, they're the most, you know, like, uh, they came to church twice in one day. They're just, they're awesome. They're crazy. But if you're coming on a Wednesday night too, listen, I get it. Great chance if you're in this room, you're not a lukewarm Christian. Uh, but I'll say this much to anybody listening online, anybody in this room, this is not the time to chill out on your faith. This is not the time to take it easy, man. You're so serious about this stuff. That is a lie from hell. Take it more serious than you've ever taken it before. There's a lot at stake right now. Amen. And I refuse to be a lukewarm Christian. Amen. All right, let's give the Lord some praise tonight. Amen. God is good. Uh, Let's go ahead and stand up. And so if any of this is stirring you and you feel the Holy Spirit speaking to your heart, I encourage you to respond to him and not ignore him. If you need to make some changes right now, do it. Amen. It's an important thing. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. My dad's going to tag in here real quick. Yeah, I don't, I don't normally do this, but I, I want to tag something onto that. Uh, I, I got a text this morning from a man in Indiana at 9 o'clock or 10 o'clock. It was 3 o'clock in Indiana. And he sent me a copy of a sermon notes he took from me preaching in June of uh, 1981. How long ago has 1981 been? 42 years ago. He said he pulled that sermon up from a church I was preaching at in 1981. He said, Pastor Samples, I want to tell you, I found these old notes that changed my life. He said, the word of God you taught changed my life. And then as Pastor Dave is teaching things he's doing, I thought of the last 40 plus years of all the people that sat under my ministry that rebelled and didn't like it. And I'm not, I'm not at all said any fearful thing, but there's people that I offered correction to for their lifestyle and things. I can think of really quick, a half a dozen people left the church in California because they didn't like the word. They didn't want to change. And much more than that back in Indiana over the years that wouldn't receive correction and would leave. And their lives got cut short. God didn't do it. But the thing is, when you sit under the real teaching of the word of God, that conviction comes to your heart. God knows it. The Holy Spirit knows it. Jesus knows it. And if you refuse and he keeps on trying to get you to change, you get out of the covenant of protection. And when you do, see, there's, there's pot shots of the devil coming at Christians every day. But when we're walking in light of the word, our shield of faith stops at those fiery darts. We don't even know that we're there. But if you lay your shield down, once you know, see, this doesn't apply to everybody. Babies don't know till they learn. But once you come to a place in life, well, you know, well, the Bible says many places, paraphrase, God knows that you know. And you know that God knows that you know. And when you refuse, when you refuse to change, the thief comes to steal, kill the story, and destroy, you get out of the covering. When you get out of the covering, then somebody gets to do your funeral, and I've done too many. So anyway, all I'm saying, this was excellent. I praise God for my son's boldness. Most preachers won't tackle those things to their congregations. But it's a, it's a very sad thing over the years. The funerals I've done, I've looked at a young dad by young, I'm talking about 30s, 40s, early 50s, I'd to see him stand, lay there in that casket and see those children out there crying and the widow standing there like that crying. And all you do is just yourself cry and grieve, preach a good funeral because we know 
wasn't a bad person, but just God was working on him, and they ran. So anyway, good job, Pastor Dave. I really, <laughs> I'm really happy you did that. All right. Praise God. Amen. Well, let's have our prayer team come on up tonight and I'm going to have Pastor Josh lead us in a little worship as we close out. And again, we're already in overtime here. So if you need prayer, come right up. Don't hesitate. And if you don't need prayer, then pray for those that do or worship God right where you're at. Amen. Let's go. I put my faith in Jesus, my anchor to the ground. My hope and firm foundation He'll never let me down I put my faith in Jesus My anchor to the ground My hope and firm foundation He'll never let me Maybe for somebody watching online or somebody here, but I know I, I don't normally step up and but he's doing it, I do it. But I know the Holy Ghost is talking to somebody and you're wrestling with your own mind is that God or not? Well, the Holy Ghost said to tell you you're on thin ice, that's Him talking to you in your heart. And if you don't make the decision and the correction, I don't want to say anything else. I've just said now it's time. And if you don't know what that expression, skating on thin ice, means, back in places where the winter is really winter and it gets really cold, ice freezes, a lot of people back where I came from, they go ice skating out on ponds and lakes. And when it's really cold, the ice is thick and you go out there for a while and get out. But the farther you get out, and the deeper it gets, the ice gets thinner unless you've had a good freeze. And that's why people sometimes, they ignored warnings on the ice. They'll have warnings. Don't go out past this line because the ice isn't safe. But people like to take risk and take chances. They'll keep on going out. If they get out too far and the ice breaks off, hypothermia takes place real quick. It takes about 30 seconds, I think, and your body's functions freeze up and you can't survive. And nobody but a nut would try to come in and try to help you get out. And so the Lord said, that's him, and you know it, and he's talking to your heart. And it's time to start making corrections because you're on thin ice. 
and don't keep taking the chance that everything's going to be okay because it's not up to God or preachers. It's up to you. And he said, you know that he's talking to you. And so that's all I can say is if that, if that were me, had I do something serious to go on, because I know when I've been in services and things are going on from the pulpit, the Holy Ghost moving, my heart starts beating like that. And I go, and I realize, wow, he's talking to me. He's talking to me. Well, it's not the preacher, it's the Holy Ghost. And so anyway, that's all I've got to say. And so if something's going on, then that's between you and God. I would just suggest get it right today. Praise the Lord. What a night we've had. Amen. Wow. <laughs> Let's say amen. God is good. Well, we're going to go ahead and close things down tonight. And we'll close in prayer and do our Barstow Faith Confession. I uh, want to remind you, yep, we got the yard sale on Saturday and some great services on Sunday. So let's all be back together for that. Amen. Let's go ahead and close in prayer. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord, for what we've seen in the word of God tonight. And, Lord, uh, we want the truth. And we thank you, Jesus that sometimes uh, the Bible is correction. Sometimes it's uh, it's encouragement. But Lord, we know this much that it's all inspired by God and it's all useful to help us change our lives in the right way. And so I pray we receive the word of God tonight and Lord, that we are changing and growing in our faith every single day. We love you and praise you in Jesus name. Can everybody say amen? All right, let's speak some words of faith over Barstow, and then you can be dismissed. We declare that Barstow is a blessed city. Our families are blessed. Our schools are blessed. Our churches are blessed. Barstow is healed. Barstow is prospering. Barstow is safe. Barstow is strong. Barstow is surrounded by the walls of God's salvation. Barstow is full of love joy and peace. Barstow is full of the glory of God. Barstow is coming to Jesus. Barstow is saved. In Jesus' name, amen.